0: This is EntreEd Talk, the podcast for entrepreneurial educators by entrepreneurial educators. We are your hosts, Toy Hirschman and Amber Ravenscroft.
1: This podcast is created by the National Consortium for Entrepreneurship Education, or EntreEd for
0: short. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to EntreEd Talk. We have with us today a very, very good friend, Enoch Elwell, and he is just going to knock your socks off. Enoch has been involved with startups since his grade school popsicle stand, with his latest adventure being a luxury treehouse retreat, TreetopHideaways.com. Don't think we won't find out more about that. (laughs) Driven by a passion to help others, Enoch currently supports hundreds of emerging startup communities through the CoStarters platform, helping local ecosystem builders around the world take the first steps in accelerating the success of thousands of creative starters annually. Together, these non-traditional small business owners are growing a thriving culture of collaborative entrepreneurial support in their communities. Enoch is committed to accelerating the convergence of economic development and community development beyond the co-starters community, and is globally recognized for his expertise, providing strategic support to the Ewing Marion Kauffman Foundation in establishing the field of ecosystem building through the eShip Summit community, as a founding board member of the Startup Champions Network and as a founder of the Rural Rise National Network. Welcome, Enoch, thank you so much for being here with us today.
2: Hi, Toy. it's great to be here, really excited about it.
0: Awesome, well, we're gonna get started, Um, you have so much to talk about. We're not going to cover it all probably, but um, just to, to back up before we dive into all of your, your newer adventures, why don't you tell us a little a bit about yourself and your own entrepreneurial journey and you know how you got to where you are today?
2: People like myself and you and others who kind of don't fit in a lot of the other pieces of the existing entrepreneurial support system um, have a huge opportunity to Uh, One, I guess, be healthier people getting to do what we love, um, getting to uh, survive and thrive uh, financially, and also getting to contribute to the community around us to help our local community, our local culture, um, improve and and grow and thrive as well. And so I think a lot of the story of of, a my work and um, I guess uh, that what brought me to my work is really the the wider narrative of how do just regular people figure out how to find a you know good trajectory in life um, and to maybe uh, accelerate that journey or make that journey possible through entrepreneurship so with that being said my original life goal was actually to not follow the traditional path of getting that you know degree and you know find getting a real job and all that kind of stuff because my goal is it was to be uh the world's best guitar maker. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make guitars and make the best guitars and just you know potter away in a workshop and make beautiful things, right? That was a wonderful dream and uh, I oriented my life around that. Um I started making guitars and you know started uh actually apprentice under a leader in the industry to learn that skill. And along the way I learned great skills, got to You know build wonderful things but uh, I realized that when you look at the reality of what success was in that world there was a lot of missing pieces Um, for example there were a lot of people who were recognized as the best in making guitars but uh didn't have the best family lives right they uh, some people were very isolated and and frustrated and and maybe that negative stereotype that you sometimes hear of that like you know um, you know the the creative who's kind of you know so obsessed with the craft that uh, Everything else around them fades away and I realized I didn't want to go down that route um, that kind of You know the negative version of creative expression, right? And Then at the same time uh, I also wanted to be able to uh, make enough money to support a family and you know uh, be able to uh, take care of the people around me and uh, And what was interesting is people who were making some of the most beautiful guitars were having trouble selling them because they were making what they loved and nobody else wanted um, and so through that experience, I realized just creative expression in isolation is not enough. Um, there, there needs to be an equal balance of community and relationship and economic sustainability, right? Um, right. So along the way, that made me realize I got to figure out some other pieces here, right? So um, the advice I got at the time was, well, go to business school and figure out the business piece, right? So I went on my merry way. It uh, brought me down to Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, where I live now. And uh, believe it or not, that was almost more frustrating um, in many ways, because I realized a typical business degree preparing you for finding your corporate niche had very little, if anything, to do with launching and running a creative small enterprise. And so um, out of that frustration, really, just wanting to just make beautiful things and have a wonderful life, right, I I realized that um, there's a need here, Um, not just for myself, but many other people in Chattanooga at the time. Who were trying to to share some kind of creative expressions, some kind of thing that they deeply believed in and wanted to to share with others help others contribute to their community they wanted to make it sustainable but it really wasn't about the money business was just the stuff that got in the way of trying to do something meaningful do something important care for others and find a way to you know pay the bills and uh you know uh, provide for for you know the people around them, right? And so so we got together as this uh, small community of misfits, uh, mostly creatives, um, artists, artisans, makers, musicians, um, and we started trying to figure out how can we make our work more sustainable. And uh, that's really what began the process, um, which resulted in uh, the launch of co-starters and the kind of Uh, development of this wider co-starters community. And uh, we really haven't, I haven't stopped kind of pushing that question um, today, Um, just uh, fortunately with a whole lot more people and a whole lot more support and a whole lot more energy and excitement in the growing around the wider conversation around economic development and community development. How do these intersect? So um, it's exciting to see this um, you know, kind of individual story and kind of story in a corner of Chattanooga grow to be, become something that's more uh, more recognized and more, um, I think, on the, on the minds of people everywhere.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I did not realize going from guitars to like this co-starters network, that's so neat to think about the different trajectories in life. And I love what you said about like how it's one thing to follow your passion, but you also have to be able to live and be sustainable, um, like from an economic standpoint. Mm-hmm. So, I, Toy, and I are familiar with co-starters, we're involved with a lot of the same kind of connections that we have, but I think that our viewers would really, or our listeners, not viewers, because we don't do video, (laughs) our listeners would benefit from learning a little bit more about co-starters, and you already kind of mentioned this term, and it's a big one that's growing in the entrepreneurship landscape, is this idea of ecosystem building. Um, So if you could talk a little bit about, like, what is ecosystem building from a broad sense, and how does co-starters kind of fit and help evolve and grow that kind of dimension?
2: You know, it's always fun. There's, uh, you know, a new buzzword popping up every day. And I think in, in the world of uh, of economic development, ecosystem building is probably the the biggest buzzword right now. Right. And so, um, I think, uh, in some ways it's almost like it's gotten, it's lost its meaning before people figured out what it meant. Um, and so I just want to recognize that, um, a lot of people are like, ah, ecosystem building. That's what those weird hipsters are talking about over in a corner. You know, that doesn't mean anything. Right. And then there's Ah. other people who are like, Oh, ecosystem building. If I, you know, if I put a if I put a trendy title on, on, you know, what I'm doing, then it's, you know, then it's cool now. Right. And, and that's really not the point. It's not about the word. It's not even about defining the word. So I'd rather tell a little bit of a story um, around the idea behind this all, because some people call it ecosystem building. Some people call it entrepreneur led economic development. Some people just call it, you know, community development. Some people call it, um, you know, the, the evolution of economic development, right? Some, it doesn't matter what you call it, the point is, I think, uh, understanding what the, the current moment is in our society as a whole, um, like our entire culture, and I want to take that as big picture as you can go, because the experts agree that uh, the industrial age as we know it is coming to its end, and whatever the next age of humanity is, is, you know, we're at the threshold. And so we got to look in those types of uh, terms to really understand what this idea is. So um, to maybe to try to simplify or summarize it into one idea, it's how does economic development as we know it, and maybe have looked at it in, in a, a small view, um, how does that evolve and survive and thrive and reinvent as we shift out of the industrial age into this new age, uh, some people call it the connected age. That's the question in which this ecosystem building term is popping up as one possible way to explain this evolution, is that the current systems of economic development while they've served our society very well for a period of time, are not fully adequate to serve the issues um, that we face as a society today and going forward. And so we know some things need to change right? Um, the, the smokestack chasing model, right, is, is no longer in vogue, right? Um, mm-hmm. This idea of we're just going to recruit the big industry to come in and hopefully they stay and hopefully they don't disappear and leave a big hole in our community, hopefully, right? Um, yeah. We're starting to realize maybe that's not the, the only method that should be considered. And, and there's, you know, some, some potential downsides there, right, um, that, are, that have been well, well recognized. So, so I think that's one frame. Um, the other frame is uh, that, and this is one thing that I, I talk a lot about in communities where we have these conversations, um, is one of the, the um, maybe pushing the language a little to say uh, one of the relics of the industrial age, um, maybe we can't say that yet, one of the um, assumptions that we all kind of carry being products of the industrial age, right, all of us together, is this idea that the best way to move things forward is to segment, focus on one little piece, operationalize, efficient, you know, make something as efficient as possible and scale that thing up, you know, with minimizing variables, right? Minimize variables, make efficient, scale. That's the best way you can make impact. Right. And while that's true for a lot of things, for some really kind of strange new things that are emerging, that model does not work. So one of the things that I think is really important in understanding the shift is uh, some of the assumptions we have in general around this idea that the, the best way to move the best things forward is to minimize variables, to uh, maximize efficiency in uh, moving forward on those variables and scale up output. Um, so very focused, very constrained, very defined. And that is where we have success. And that served as well for a lot of things but there's some new things popping up that don't work for that model and completely break the system. And this is a question that we have to answer. How do we work with these new things? There's a book that's called Team of Teams, written by General Stanley McChrystal, that um, explains one of the best examples of this evolution. And that is post-9-11 fighting these terrorism networks, um, where the best of the industrial age, right? All of the special force units of the United States military, the most efficient, the most fine-tuned machine, right, that people could point to as an example, could not defeat the terrorist networks and were getting owned because the terrorist networks were complex adaptive systems that could just morph and change and 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 uh, and completely just work around the most uh, fine-tuned processes we had, you know, for, for our age. And that really sparked this huge question of how do we evolve our military system to address a new type of of community a new type of doing a new process of decision making an entirely new new animal right um it was really a a battle of of the industrial age and the connected age and how do these two um you know interrelate with each other and so in this book they they really flesh out all these models of how they had to adapt their entire system to to change it was actually changing their organizational structures that made the difference believe it or not Checking out this book, um, too, if you want to dig deeper into an example of this transition.
1: Very cool. Very cool.
2: So. Sorry, I derailed this from ecosystem building.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, there's a lot to unpack here. But I'm like fascinated <laughs> by all of it. And I appreciate this. And Toy, I know you look like you're just ready to ask a million questions. So,
0: <laughs> Yeah, I'll be reading the book in the car if there's an audio version for sure. That that is that is really just just thinking about that industrial age versus the connected age and and how everything is changing. And, you know, I, I know, Enoch, you spend a lot of time in rural America, as as do we. And it's it really is a mindset shift that has to happen overall. like I mean, the, people think that they they really people that really do in many in many cases think that a big, like, let's just get the next big coal company or whatever it is. Let's get the next big company in here and everyone will have a job, but we have to think differently than that now. And it's, it's, it's really interesting how that's probably the biggest hurdle is getting people's minds around that concept of, you know, you, you're not coal companies, not coming back here, you know, the big Paper mill, we just had a big closure
2: um, locally to me. I mean, just, it's not happening. So what do we do now? And, you know, along those lines, one of the things that's really interesting, we were just, uh, so we have our own co-starters, uh, you know, uh, like webinar series where uh, last week we interviewed Matt Dunn, um, who heads up the Center on Rural Innovation, to talk about these these very same things. And one of the things that came out of that conversation that, that illustrates, I think, what you're talking about is this idea that those systems, those models of the past that built a lot of these communities, they're not bad and they're not wrong. Mm-mm. It's, it's that they serve their purpose. They had their time and now we move to the next thing. And I think we have to recognize that communities like cultures are, you know, the sum of just the, all these individual relationships people have with each other, but also the relationships that people have with their, with the place and with the past. And so a lot of this is actually going through the stages of grief and going through change that happens in in any other relationship, parents with their children, you know, us with the trauma of our past and the personal things we work through. It's the same type of stuff. And so in any community, um, we're trying to forge into this new unknown, you know, the teenage years, right? Like it's a scary (laughs) thing that you don't know, this connected age coming. And at the same time, we have this past that we, remember and we re- remember with fondness and we wish it could come back but it can't and so we're we're processing through like a a personal growth journey right as individuals and collectively as a community through this and that's a really important thing and so some of this is celebrating the past recognizing its place um, and at the same time being able to kind of boldly go forward and grow together in this and kind of like a, a maybe, maybe not growing up, but maybe just growing forward together, I don't know. So it's a much more complicated, nuanced, and relational thing in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, I can think, in Toy, I know we're, we're from the same area, so I know how that affected, and I can definitely see that the stages of grief are affected, like, that makes total sense to me, especially when those industries are kind of taken away and people are forced to change, and I think that that makes total sense. Um, Okay, so now this whole, this whole conversation, like keeping that in mind, Enoch, maybe if you could tell us a little bit about how CoStarters starts addressing that, like the company's mission and like the work that you all do to help address that um, would be really
2: helpful. Great, yeah, so I guess we should talk about CoStarters somewhere here. Yeah, we should maybe talk about CoStarters. <laughs> the purpose of CoStarters is really to find our piece to help, you know, address this big, big, big problem, you know, need and opportunity and so this is a huge shift this is a huge change i think it's the it's both the the crisis and the the opportunity to to build a more you know equitable society right here being thrust upon us right it's the big wave that's coming that's going to reshape things reset things um, and clean the sand up a little bit right so to me the big question is how can we through this time of change as a wider society and specifically through economic development and entrepreneurship how can we help build a better system? And how can we help people weather and survive the change too, right? So how CoSoders fits into this. Uh, We are the specific place we're trying to play is this focus on developing scalable processes to help communities thrive through entrepreneurship, right? So that's a very specific language, um, Mm -hmm. but very open at the same time. You could say the scalable processes is about Trying to and and somehow through a lot of careful listening and, uh, you know, cautious um, moving forward, we've been able to find ways that have consistently um, packaged and scaled very relational and nuanced and, um, you know, difficult to capture things. Um, We like to say we we scale up, uh, you know, community relationship building without losing the magic, right, Um, which is really hard to do. Um, and so and so um, we've but we've had success in that so that's a uh, kind of the unique thing we bring um, and then the uh, you know the goal is to help communities so that's individuals and you know the community as a whole um, and so we see that working together you know we help individuals thrive um, by through the in the context of a thriving community which you know the individuals make the community thrive the thriving community helps the individuals thrive. that all happens together it's all community based um, and then We do all this stuff because that starts sounding really touchy-feely and, you know, like, yay, you know, let's all build community and hang out together. Um, So we do all this stuff through the specific frame and lens and engagement model of entrepreneurship. So that's through launching businesses, growing businesses, building uh, entrepreneurial mindset, and through businesses – pushing social change, right? And I mean that, you know, the whole like, you know, impact business thing, you don't have to be a nonprofit to do good work, you can do that in a sustainable business, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the package of co starters. For those of you who like to get down to the details, and that still sounds too esoteric, we started by building curriculum, because that's what people think they needed. Um, everybody thinks I need better entrepreneurship curriculum. So we developed uh, our flagship program, we're most known for a nine week Cohort based model that helps people with business, existing businesses, or ideas for business get unstuck and move forward and to you know, strongly, uh, confidently pursue the next steps for their business. We developed uh, 15 other curriculum, various uh, types of curriculum for uh, impact businesses, for youth uh, entrepreneurship, for uh, you know, pure accountability and growing businesses, all kinds of other stuff. Then we also have a significant amount of activity where we consult with national global networks and organizations that have been scaling up some kind of either community building work or entrepreneurship support work, and they want to better integrate those two together. So we help retool uh, people's processes or systems or community engagement models to to live out that that intersection of economic development and community development, building up people, building up relationships, building up community um, through entrepreneurship so that's co-starters
0: how would somebody get involved with co-starters initially and speak to that as a like if i'm i'm a business owner or you know or someone with a business idea and then also as a as a student as as a you know maybe a middle or high school student
2: right so uh so the way we work our, our primary focus is actually on supporting community leaders right And so we help community leaders come together to find how to best um, provide, you can say the best stack of entrepreneurial support resources to then support their local community, right? And so we now support um, over 130 communities globally, work with those local community leaders to build strong networks of support for the local entrepreneurs. So to answer your question, the best way to get that help, what we believe is getting plugged in with that local community, that local community of support. Many communities that have, uh, you know, I would, I would strongly say any community where there's a co-starters, you know, uh, presence where the, those local people are organizing in that way, I know that they're there to welcome and support and encourage and help you figure out your way forward. So if you are a student or someone with an existing business, if, uh, you know, you, you could search and see, uh, you know, on our website, if there's a co-starters community in your area, and, and I'm confident that if there is, they would welcome you with open arms and give you a hug if you need it, right? Um, and so, so that's one network. But there's a whole lot of other networks out there that are just as welcoming and supporting, and I would highly recommend finding the, the local support that already exists. That could be a One Million Cups. That could be um, uh, one of the Techstar Startup Weekends that's, that's coming. That could be the, the Entre Ed Network, right? There's lots of great places to go, but that local support is so valuable. Again, co-starters we're focused more on supporting the, the local leaders to um, if there isn't a kind of a safe, welcoming space for people, local local starters to find support to uh, help help make that happen. What's also I think very important, co-starters we're not about us, we're not about our programs, we're not about our models. We're about helping local leaders connect entrepreneurs of all kinds with the best stuff that exists. And so most of our work is actually connecting people with other resources and saying, you know what. This co-starters curriculum that we developed for this specific use isn't what you need you all need ed. use them, right? And so um, that's primarily why we exist to help uh, the right set of resources um, be um, made available in local communities and then also those resources be interconnected with each other so they provide more, more holistic support. Because often uh, a starter in a community might go through a great program and then once they're out of that model they get dropped and have to find their way, you know, to the next thing. And so the interconnectedness is what's missing so much. So um, again, Our primary support is on building uh, supporting local leaders building that strong um, you know collaboration and that full stack of support in local communities Um, and then those local local organizations are who provide that direct support to starters.
1: I love that Joe Cap, who Nick I know you work with closely with Rural Rise he always talks about the principles of effectuation and this idea of crazy quilt and it sounds like that's exactly what you're describing is just connecting those people um, and let like everyone is better when you work together. So I, I really like that. And I know you touched on this when you talked about your, your different curriculum offerings at CoStarters. And you know that EntraEd works primarily in K-12 entrepreneurship education. So can you talk just very briefly about CoStarters youth programming and why you think that was important for um, the company to go into K-12 entrepreneurship growth?
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, that's great. So first of all, I I think we all, uh, anybody who's listening to this uh, podcast, uh, I assume agrees that it's, uh, you know, entrepreneurial education uh, is important, particularly for youth. Um, And so I'm just going to base off of that foundation that an entrepreneurial mindset is uh, essential, um, I think just for um, succeeding in life in general, in the world in general, but also because of this shift that we have where our current, you know, our current education system, um, at least uh, I believe from my understanding, has been optimized for um, providing people with skills that serve well for the industrial age. You know, finding that, that niche skill um, that, that is not as adaptable necessarily. One of the big issues that is here is our education system has not adapted um, as quickly as it needs to, to address the needs of, of our changing economy and our changing society. And an entrepreneurial mindset, not, not at all trying to say that everybody should launch a business or anything like that, but an entrepreneurial mindset to see problems, to have agency in addressing problems, and to find ways to do something about that and organize together as people to solve the problems of our society and solve our own problems is essential for navigating the shift as a society. And so I can't think of a better way to help prepare our society for the future than through uh, building entrepreneurial skills and mindsets. So so that's the fundamental, I believe, coming into this conversation. Is there anything you want to add to that, toy?
0: <laughs> I could add so much. My heart is, is in everything that you were just talking about because I, I believe that generally not all, and we're working diligently to change this, but generally um, our schools do a really good job of sucking that entrepreneurial mindset out of kids. And when you look at a, a kindergarten or first grade classroom, you know, you you they they haven't they haven't been put in that box yet and you can ask these kids questions and they it's it's amazing what what comes out of these really really young kids and then as you move up the chain it just gets more and more sterile and more and more rules based and exactly what you're talking about is that it it is optimized to crank out factory workers
2: what are like norm conform and perform or something like yeah that? yeah and that was
0: great in its time, there's no, there was nothing really wrong with that. Like you said, that was so, so compelling to me when you said it, that that worked before, but it's not working now. And we're just not, we're not moving in the direction that we need to be moving with our, with our students. And, you know, when we talk about entrepreneurship, I, Amber and I, we get this all the time, when we go into a place, you probably do too, the first thought is, business, like, like a business degree, business, marketing, financial literacy, all of those things that are really important, but not really what we're talking about when we're talking about entrepreneurship, education, and, mi- and mindsets. And like you said, those mindsets mm-hmm. are going to help regardless of whether you start a business or you go to work for somebody else. Because, you know, not everyone in the world is going to oh, start oh a business oh man, and That's I was realistic. Yeah, <laughs>
2: Yeah, you're getting me excited or, you know, just fired up about this, too, because like, oh, man, yeah, for a long time. I just this one concept, though, I got to share is I, we like humans have been launching businesses for thousands of years. thousands, like, you know, like here, I'll trade you this, you know, this spear that I chipped out of rock for, you know, this, uh, <laughs> this pile of vegetables or whatever. Right. Like people have been doing this stuff. It's kind of intuitive to human nature, and it was only recently in the past few hundred years that we got things complicated with these m b a s and you know all these other things and those aren't bad either um but as the barrier to entry like that's that's like this is why entrepreneurship is on the the, the decline because we've somehow made it this elite inaccessible thing, whereas in the reality, most people did this without a second thought it was just part of human existence, and I think we need to like. I don't know bring entrepreneurship back to the people here right like it's just this is stuff that we do and <laughs> and then people can be specialized and you know layer stuff on top of it and great you know if you if you do something great and you know it needs to grow we'll hire the mba right um but you don't need that to, to start figuring things out anyway i'll get on the soapbox if you go and keep going here so so we should probably should roll i never answered your question amber
1: I don't remember my question
2: <laughs> my Question was so co-starters has these the, um, you know youth programming how does that work yes so so youth programming is very important um, in building entrepreneurial mindset and uh, we were very we had a lot of people in the co-starters communities who were asking can, can you offer some youth programming some youth curriculum and at first we said no there's lots of great stuff out there use all the other stuff and then um, we eventually we saw an opportunity to help fill in some gaps um, around providing some, uh, some very flexible resources that help people, uh, pretty much we create a modular uh, curriculum or modular set of content that could be reconfigured to serve any need to either be a light, you know, entrepreneurship mindset program, to be a weekend test and launch a business idea, um, you know, exercise to uh, be something that could potentially connect one program with another, just to fill the gaps. And so um, the idea was to not be the comprehensive thing that competes with the other stuff, but that um, it fills in the gaps and help provides more on, provide more on-ramps to the good stuff that's out there. Um, so for example, um, I think right now, there is a training going on at the World Scout Jamboree that entreed is, is leading that toy here, or trained the facilitators of this workshop, and they're using some of the content that we provide in our toolkit and so the goal is we want to be the 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 people who play well with others on the sandbox here where we can provide lots of good resources that just help good stuff move forward and and not try to be anything more and so that's what the um, entrepreneurship content we have is for youth we have girl scouts using it for their gold award at their camps we have School systems using across their networks as a kind of a, a light kind of entry program. We have a, a really neat kind of lock in model where um, uh, kids from across several schools across the region will do an overnight, um, like uh, it's called 24 hour generator, where they actually uh, uh, launch business solutions for existing businesses that get implemented in their community. And it's a competition that, you know, diverse teams of students launch stuff over a weekend. It's so cool. So anyway, we could talk about that more, but uh, the goal is to just uh, support and supplement and augment the great things that are out there.
1: I already know we're going to have to have a second episode because we try to keep it. We say this every time, but I mean it folks. We try to keep it around 30 minutes and somehow we only answered like two questions. I do. I want to talk really briefly about your title because I, love the idea of a director of vision just for everyone who's listening and CEO, obviously, but you list yourself as director of vision on the co-starters website. So, I mean, what's it like being that person that has that visionary kind of like, what were your biggest hurdles? How did you, you know, navigate that leadership role where um, you are today? I'm just curious. Yeah.
2: So, so that's a good question. I I really believe that again, for the future of where we're headed as a society, things need to change, right? The, the industrial age models of hierarchies and like the, the boss knows it all and tells all the worker bees to do the stuff. Like that is, is not helpful um, and, uh, and is not transformative um, for, and which is what we need for communities, right? Um, and, and so I think one of the best things that we can do as teams and as leaders of teams is to be very self-aware and aware of our limitations um, and also aware of the model in which we're living out, you know, a leadership or organizational structure. So with that, um, a common problem of many organizations is the, um, you know, uh, the, the, the person who in some way um, rallied people together around the vision of an organization often ends up, you know, as the CEO um, and as the chief implementer and chief visionary and chief chaos creator and chief micromanager and chief everything, you know, and, and everybody, everything works from their lens only and kind of, uh, you know, creates some good, but potentially a lot of mess too, because we're messy people. Um, and one of the things that I found to be really valuable is to, to recognize typically someone who is a visionary, who has ideas, who sees, sees things in the future, um, is not necessarily the best operational manager implementer. Of, of a vision, right? And to mix those two up can be very destructive. And so um, there's a model that I would, another book I'd recommend called Traction. And this model called the, I guess, a Traction or EOS, the Entrepreneurship Operating System. Um, it's a playoff of the Rockefeller habits from long ago and Vern Harnish and all these other things. But uh, but the general idea um, of organizational structures uh, being, being recognized where you have, two separate roles, right? Not the one lone CEO at the top who tells everyone what to do, but an integrator and a visionary. Visionary is free to look toward the future to to, to um, see how a an, an organization can kind of orient itself in a way to solve the, the big problems of the world. Um, and the integrator to make sure that the team is really doing the right activities to move toward that vision, but not mixing it all up, right? And so in a, in a moment of uh, you know, becoming more uh, self-aware uh, through a lot of coaching and support, um, I realized that I was holding our organization back by not having strong, strong boundaries, right? And strong uh, r- knowing what my role is and optimizing into that role and stepping out of the roles that, I, that are not my skills. And so at that point, we, we created our, our structure to very clearly be visionary and integrator, working together to support a team. I think that was very valuable. Um, along with that, we our, our theme for the year as a team is vulnerable growth. Um, this idea that if our goal is to help individuals and communities thrive everywhere, um, you know, through entrepreneurship, right? That's what co-starters exist to do. Um, if our team isn't thriving, and if us individually on the team aren't thriving, then it's all a lie. Like we're not actually, you know, it's not real. We can only go as far as we've gone. And so um, a lot of that is not just me finding my role in um, stepping back from a lot of the management of co-starters because that's not my skill. It's also each of us on our team um, trying to figure out what is our best role and uh, let's not try to just do all our weaknesses too, but how do we support and, and champion the people around us who are strong, where we're weak and, re- and, and celebrate that and work together. So uh, it's a little bit, sorry, another long-winded response.
1: You know, it was great. I think I'm going to look up that book. I'm really fascinated by that idea of separating those roles because I think that there's a lot of that kind of overlap in any kind of entrepreneurial support or entrepreneurship organization. So I'm, I'm really glad you went deep into that and kind of change the trajectory of that answer.
0: And it's, it's really, it, it's, it's a, a really clear way to think about it. Um, I read the uh, good to great book, not too terribly long ago. And I love the analogy that they use in that book where it's make sure you have the right people but make sure you put the right, you know, get all your people on your bus that are the right people, but make sure they're in the right seats as well. And that happens a lot of times in organizations, you have great people, but they're not in the right role. And, and then it's figuring out, it's, you know, it takes a leader to, that, that can figure that out and, and to be humble. So I, I love that vulnerable growth idea, just, you know, to be humble enough to say, you know what? I'm not so good at this management stuff. Like, let me find someone who is, who is so that I can do what I'm good at. And that's, and that's such a powerful thing. And that's hard for a leader to do it, it, you know, to, to admit that and to, to, and to be able to, you know, okay, here's the
2: issue. I'm going to solve this problem. So
0: that's really cool.
2: So trying, trying, but it takes a lot of growth. Um, But uh, definitely, I mean, I think we're at the stage where most organizations get stuck and actually die uh, because of that transition. Because when you start, it's kind of the founding or founding team who kind of has to solve all the problems and it all comes from them and they're the ones with the answers and to shift from that to being okay with not having the answers and probably assuming that you don't have the answers because you're bringing people around you who have, you know, who, who are more skilled, right? As specialized things. So that, that kind of inverts and instead it's, how do I support all the people who have the answers and have the knowledge, the team to thrive because together, you know, they, they have the value and the value doesn't come from the top. The value is a team supported by some leaders. Um, So I think it's a a different kind of model of leadership um, as well. Anyway, we could go on about that as well.
1: Yeah. So if you want to talk um, really briefly about, you know, what Rural Rise is, and I think that's a really good opportunity as they have their Rural Rise conference coming up, if you want to just highlight that.
2: What's really fun is we're talking about these concepts and we share um, a lot of kind of purpose and and kind of reason for existing as organizations. Uh, I love kind of diving into that a little bit earlier. And it's neat to uh, see this uh, shared work that we're we're engaged in with the Scout Jamboree, but but also want to talk about Rural Rise, um, this event that's organizing uh, national leaders that that care about uh, supporting rural communities, building rural ecosystems, uh, and uh, local uh, rural community leaders together. Um, this uh, that's also a uh, that's also a network that we've both been a part of here since its its start about a year ago. So, so just want to share a little bit about that. The past, oh, I don't know, three years now, um, I've been working with the Kaufman Foundation on developing, uh, kind of moving forward this concept of what does an, an ecosystem building approach to economic development look like? How do you build strong communities and culture and kind of support networks, um, both locally, but also regionally and nationally and kind of across a whole, a whole field? And so with that work, um, one of the areas where we saw a lot of of opportunity to move quickly um, is in rural communities because uh, there already are a lot of strong networks and relationships. I think if there's one thing that uh, rural communities have a competitive advantage on is leveraging the value of relationship with, uh, you know, working with the Kauffman Foundation and then working with some early work that uh, Joe Kapp and his team had been doing um, as as well as the, the RCAP team in D.C., Um, We ended up launching the the Rural Rise Summit last year, which was the first of its kind gathering of um, leading organizations from all around the country um, that support rural communities from a national perspective, and then local regional leaders who are just working hard in their local community to to build up entrepreneurial culture. Um, And so... Uh, that was a really amazing event. Um, we published a report on kind of a status of rural communities. All that stuff you can see at ruralrise.org, and just wanted to make sure we get this out as we wrap up our podcast uh, conversation today. That uh, that convening is happening again in September um, in Arkansas. So check out the website ruralrise.org for more information. But if uh, you're working in a rural community. Um, and are looking at um, what what activities are happening now nationally and regionally that you can be inspired by, that you can rip off, that you can uh, be celebrated. Uh, you know, by meeting uh, peers, uh, we'd love to join you there and uh, and talk more.
0: And it was I had the pleasure of going to the the inaugural <laughs> uh, summit with, with Rural Rise, and it the format. You 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 don't sit still for very long, and you can't possibly get bored. It is it was a really just a winner a winning formula because we heard from so many amazing speakers, and they had to be very brief, and then we had lots of time to network and talk and and collaborate with with everyone there. It was it was phenomenal. So I will I will second your please come. You should check out Rural Rise. <laughs> so everybody, please go check that out. It, it was really a fabulous conference.
2: Great. And I guess, uh, you know, we talked earlier about this community building stuff and how co-starters helps communities build. And, you know, our goal is to connect local leaders with the best resources everywhere, whether or not the resources that we have, right? Um, mm-hmm. If that's something that um, you're thinking, man, in my community, I'd love to figure out how to move forward a strong uh, culture of support for entrepreneurship. How can How can this grassroots activity grow and build and and help, uh, you know, help all of our community, um, you know, as we figure out the future, um, we'd love to help. And so if that's something you're interested in, uh, you go to our website, co-starters.co to find out more about our work. Um, I think specifically... um, we, we've developed this uh, matchmaking model where we do a little bit of a, a kind of an assessment of what your local needs are, what you're looking for, and then develop a uh, kind of the, the, the fast version, uh, the, the lean version of a, an action plan to uh, just what can you do today now with a short timeline, um, not a lot of money, just to, to get some stuff moving forward to address the needs in your community. So um, if that's something that you would like to explore further, we'd love to talk with you guys more about that, um, see how we can help.
1: Perfect. Well, thank you so much. And if there's anybody that's interested in connecting with you personally, are you on Twitter, or LinkedIn, anything like that?
2: So yeah, if you'd love to uh, continue the conversation one to one, yeah, please uh, contact me uh, via email, my name at CoStarters.co, um, or uh, on Twitter, uh, which is just Enoch Elwell.
1: Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. We're so appreciative of your time. And Toy, anything? Any final thoughts? I know this has been a great, just like learning opportunity for us. Well,
0: Enix, so you're so, you're brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not the first person to tell you that. This has been, this has been amazing. And I hope, I hope that you will concede to let us having you back on again, maybe for uh, like a part three or or four. (laughs) We have have just nipped at the tip of the iceberg on so many different things. So I thank you for being here. And I'm sure our our listeners will be appreciative to, to hear from you again. That would be amazing.
2: Well, thanks. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to what we do um, as organizations individually and, and together um, in the months coming forward to, to help move forward the, the good work. So thank you all.
0: Thank you. Thank you.